Hello and welcome back to 100% Real with Ruby. I finally have Ali back on the podcast. So you might remember her from when we talked about how much carbs actually improved our body because we're so used to being told carbs are bad, this isn't good for you, dairy is going to inflame you, don't have anything that's white, yet so many people are following all of this advice and they still look like shit just to put it out there. And they're cutting out major amounts of calories thinking the faster they cut out their food, the faster the weight's going to drop off. But that's something that Ali used to do all the time and kind of, kind of, kind of something I used to do all the time. And we both kind of invested in the same coach who probably I know he did for you as well as he did for me spent quite a few weeks back and forth trying to get us to actually follow the goddamn plan and to eat all of our carbs and to actually just put them up. But we were so scared of seeing the scale go up. Like this was years ago. Like we have come so far and this is exactly why I have Ali on the podcast because we are both in the best shape that we've ever been. We're maintaining it. And aside from right now when Ali's starting for a photo shoot, we're maintaining it on crazy amounts of food. We're getting stronger than ever in the gym. And even though we're not doing crazy crash diets and we're not doing huffy puffy reps in the gym and we're not doing skip rope between our sets, we have not put our weight back on. And this is a thing that we want to spread the message to out there because something that she says and something that she repeats over and over again is that you need to put in the hard work, but you need to put it into the right places not focusing on dumb shit and before and afters they take a very very long time and no one can accept that and this is pretty much how I want you to introduce the podcast because before and afters are are harmful they they intoxicate industry because like even I can fall victim not for myself but as a coach saying look at all these before and afters like I need to get more before and afters like that like that was something that I could have easily fallen victim to. And I can imagine that a lot of young coaches, I should say a lot of young trainers, that is why they put out these challenges. This is why they do these drastic, unsustainable methods to get these before and afters to get more clients in. But they don't give a shit what happens after that. And to be quite frank, neither do the clients coming to them. So you can't really blame the the trainer themselves because we go to them saying, we just want this result. We don't care how we get there. We just want this result. And it's easy to do dumb shit for a short period of time, but it's hard to do the right shit to actually last you a lifetime because we don't want to think in three years. Every time I mention, do you think about yourself in three years time? I get the rebuttal. Yeah. But what about the people that do five week boot camps? What about the people that do 12 week challenges? What about the people that get on stage? They do it fast. I want to be like them says a person hardly eating, working their ass off and doesn't know the importance of recovery. So I'm going to leave this over to Ali, let her talk about her little history with everything in the past and how we should really just stop using coaches just for weight loss. Thank you, Ruby, for having me back on. And yes, this is such a big topic, especially now with the new year coming, because, you know, weight loss is such top of mind for so many people 
that they, they feel they've been struggling with the five, the same five to 10 pounds, and it's the same five to 10 pounds they've been losing over and over. And they may gain, I, I should say kilos. It's the same kilos that they're gaining and losing over and over. And you had mentioned that we had, you know, been maintaining our weight. And it's funny because, you know, for those who don't know, I, I had to move my wedding four times over COVID, which resulted in about a two year prep for my wedding. So obviously I wasn't dieting that entire time, but it seemed like I was prepping for something. And my wedding was this past August. Now I'm doing a photo shoot in January. And so I've actually had a few people say to me, well, when are you going to stop dieting? Haven't you stopped dieting? And I'm like, actually we took eight weeks off. I gained almost five kilos, but because it was in a way that is intelligent, I did not blow up. So therefore I did not look overly bloated. I didn't look so heavy. If I show you pictures, you might be able to see a difference, but the weight that you gain when you increase calories coming out of a diet is mostly water, mostly glycogen, which is the storage form of carbohydrates. It's not really body fat. So yes, the scale might have gone up almost five kilos. I did a DEXA scan. My body fat was pretty much maybe 0.5 more, which is nothing. So for me now I'm back to 60 kilos. I'm the leanest I've been because we're going to go a little bit further than we did for the wedding because I did not want to be miserable the week of my wedding. As you guys know, when you diet very hard, you're not the best person to be around and you're cranky and all that. But I'll tell you what I said to my coach, Luke, the other day, I said, I actually still feel pretty good. And this is the lowest that we've gone with calories, cycling it around. And the thing is, our clients don't necessarily want to look like us and they don't need to do what you and I would do to get to a certain level of lean. What they have to do is actually a lot easier, but I think most people think they have to deprive themselves of all joy in life. And I'll tell you most of my clients, I ask them initially, what does your goal mean to you? Meaning if you say, I want to get shredded, what does that mean? Because to me, veins on the abs means shredded. But to some of my new dads, it's like a four pack, maybe a two pack with their abs. You know, some of my female clients just want some visible abs. They all still drink alcohol moderately. They all eat foods that they enjoy. So they're able to live a life that, this is a way that they can eat and live sustainably for the rest of their lives. It's not a short-term set diet that happens often in these challenges that you referenced, where it's a very strict diet, very low calorie, very miserable. And when they're done with it, like you said, what is the plan for after that? So before and after photos are great and impressive when it's like a year after. I am not impressed by three week before and afters. I'm not impressed by two months before and afters. I want to see the after after. So the before and after is great. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you can drop some pounds in a couple weeks or in a couple months. What do you look like a year from that? Because if you can maintain that fluctuate, maybe five pounds up or down, that is impressive because most people can't do that. 
actually love how you ended on the part about fluctuating up and down because ever since hearing you say something, well, hearing PJ say something actually, which is someone that we both know from online, but it's that when you're maintaining something after you've done any type of fat loss phase, you're not maintaining the same weight. There is no such thing as maintaining the lowest weight you got to because you you got to that weight obviously cutting your calories. And as Ali said at the start of this podcast, as soon as you start to eat more, you're going to have more food in your system, which food Mm -hmm. has weight. You're going to have more water in your system. You're going to be training harder. And when you train harder and your muscles tear up and repair, they're going to be holding more water. They're going to be holding more carbs. And it's actually a good thing when they hold more carbs, because that means your body can tolerate more carbs. It can use more carbs as energy, but you you didn't do what you did just now. Like it wasn't, Hey Luke, I'm coming to you right now. I want to get dick skin lean. Like no one even wants to get dick skin lean to start with. It's like, you think you want to get to this level of leanness, which is something I wanted to say too, because you think you want to get to what we have. Well, it's different with me because I'm not unsustainable like Ali right now. <laughs> I'm not dieting for on prep. I'm, I'm living life and I'm on like 2,700 calories. She's on like lettuce and ice. Joking, joking. Pretty, <laughs> pretty much on nothing. And like she's doing this through the holiday season. And actually, this is something really important. I'm going to say this again. She's doing this through being around all these monster cakes, being around fudge, being around ice cream, being around all her favorite food. And she freaking loves Oreos and there's Oreo cake everywhere. Like she's able to say no to that stuff. She wouldn't have if this was her five years ago when she started this journey. And I'll say that again, five years ago, not 12 weeks, not 10 weeks. And it's like, you you might think you want what Ali has. I'm going to just use her because she's unsustainable right now. <laughs> you might think you want what Ali has, but as soon as you know what it takes to get there, you're not going to want it anymore. And if you wanted what I had when I was doing my comp prep, say goodbye to your husband, you can give him the boot. Say goodbye to your kids. You're not going to have time to look after them. They 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 might as well be orphans. Like there are so many sacrifices you have to give up for unsustainable results. You need to stop looking at what is online with these before and afters and actually figure out what is maintainable for you and do it in your own time. Because it's not that you can't get to that end result. It's that your timeline is not the same as anyone else's. And unless you actually put in the work in the middle ground, it's almost like when someone wins a lottery, like you don't know how to, actually it's it's better with, oh, I can relate it to like business coaches when they get, well, not business coaches, but like coaches when they get like influencers online, when they go from like a hundred followers to like a hundred thousand followers overnight. It's like, they don't know how to tolerate all of this influx of like comments on their photos, trying to deal with all this stuff. And then if you think about someone that wins a the lottery, they don't know how to use that money. They've never used that money before. It's like, You need to actually grow into that person to know how to maintain that body, to know how to live that lean lifestyle. So back to what you said, getting to where you want to be takes a lot more sacrifice and a lot more effort and a lot more awareness. So you need to like dip your toe in and take yourself there. But if you walk 50 miles into the woods, you have to walk 50 miles back out. So let's talk about that and rewind back to how we both started pretty much, but yeah, back to back to back to young Ali when you signed on with Luke 
the like how you had to actually bring yourself to a place where you could start a diet because you can't just start mm. a diet off the bat like what she's eating now is for a short phase like this is isn't it like a eight week prep for the shoot or 10 week i'm i'm six weeks out now so it's about so. six to eight weeks for this shoot oh right. she's on right now for her calories she's getting massive changes i'm seeing her book like that five kilos she put on, I couldn't even actually recognize it. Like I didn't even know. You, you still you still had abs, which you never had before at that weight. If you rewind back to when she was 65 kilos, she was skinny fat. She had a lot of abdominal fat. She had no mm. muscle mass. Her legs looked really puffy and balloony. Now they now they look shredded. They look like they squat. They look like they deadlift. She looks like she lifts. And that's 65 kilos. The same weight she was probably three years ago, but she looks so much better. Like, this is a thing no one yeah. understands. Like, fuck the scale off. Realize that there is so much more that goes to this. But now go back to the calories she's on right now. She was living her life on these calories for years. No results, busting her ass, no rest days. I can't have a day off on pretty much 12,000, 1,100 calories. And scared of carbs. No changes to her body. Now, she's on pretty much the same calories, but she's shredded. She looks jacked. She looks like she lifts. So tell me about this. So it's funny that that you say, say that because I had a, a woman message me a couple weeks ago and she was like, you know, I watched your podcast with Luke, which all the photos that Ruby's referring to, I am very public with. I put on YouTube because I wanted people to see where I started from, which was not necessarily overweight by, I would say, normal standards. But to somebody like me, I really wanted to change and I couldn't. And so this woman asked me, you know, when you went to Luke, you're on 1100 calories. So what are you eating now to look like the way you do? And I said, I don't look like the way I do from what I'm eating now. It's just that what I've done in the past few years has gotten me to this point. So when I diet, we have realized we've had to get me down to 1100 to really drop some body fat, but, but big, but here, the key is that I'm at 1100 for a couple weeks at a time and I can go up a lot higher without gaining this massive amount of weight that looks like I do, right? Like you said, I still had abs at 64 and a half kilos and I was like, holy shit, like this is unbelievable. So when I came to Luke, I was on 1100 average for years, which is not a place that you want to live, especially if you're not being, you know, you're not seeing any changes. So I had enough. And I think most people, when they're ready to change, it's when they've tried absolutely everything. And I mean, you've exhausted all opportunities and you've just had enough and you have nowhere else to go. I had nowhere else to go. I am a fitness professional and I still could not help myself as most of us can't because we overthink. And I did what most women do. As soon as you start eating more carbs, you see the scale go up, you freak the fuck out and you're like, oh my God, I can't eat these carbs anymore. So when I came to Luke, I was like, I will do anything you say. <laughs> and of course they had me eating more carbs, went straight to maintenance calories, not even a reverse diet, because honestly, the quicker you go to maintenance, the healthier it is, but it does suck psychologically. And I freaked out. 
and they had to bring me down to 1800, which is still a massive amount from what I was eating. I gained maybe three kilos at most. And you have to go through that period of discomfort to get your body safe and ready to be able to drop weight again. Because I'll tell you what, whenever we go into a deficit now comes off just like that takes me about three weeks to really see crazy changes versus three years trying to see changes. And it's a patience thing. But I think what happens is that obviously marketing is, is a huge uh, driver of false success. People see before and after photos, they see the biggest loser, which I think was probably one of the worst things to happen is that show because people were such in a deep deficit exercising eight hours a day, which is nothing anyone needs to do or should do. And if you go and look at most of those contestants, they've gained all the weight back plus more, which is what tends to happen with these quick transformations. And so people will maybe lose 10 kilos, but then they'll gain 12 back over the course of a year. And they're like, oh, I have to do this transformation again, or I have to go back on keto because that worked for me, but it actually didn't work if it wasn't a sustainable way of living and eating for you. So understanding that and understanding what somebody's goal is, the proof is really in the communication. And, I, and I'm very upfront with clients who want to look a certain way. I tell them, okay, it's going to take exactly this long. Are you prepared for that? It's not going to be quick. And if you're looking for a rapid transformation, I'm not your girl. I can direct you to other people that are a lot cheaper that can get you there a lot quicker, but you'll only come back. They appreciate the honesty. They appreciate the, the reality. And most people who come to me have tried this multiple times to where they're like, I just want to feel good. I want to look good, but I understand that my health is huge right now. I've got little kids or I'm going to be a dad or I don't want to die, you know, those types of things. So I think understanding where the client's coming from, understanding what their goals are, and then providing them everything up front from a communication perspective it's going to be very, very beneficial for them because then they'll understand the journey. There's no surprises and everybody's open with, with each other. I think this is one thing that you and I, well, obviously, I mean, we have the same mentor, mate, but this is something, <laughs> this is something that isn't attractive to a lot of people. Like I, I would get on a call with someone and actually say to them, you need to stop chasing this number on the scale. It is doing more harm than good. You need to stop chasing all these things that you hate about, well, actually running away from all these things you hate about yourself because doing that isn't going to make you enjoy the process. And it's funny how you just said, oh, I gained three kilos at most. Yeah, that's that's talking in retrospect. In the moment, she freaked the fuck out. She messaged the shit out of Luke and said, I'm gaining weight. So I, I like put yourself back into those shoes because I feel like that's where a lot of people are still stuck. That's like, we're going into a new year now and this podcast is going to be a very special podcast. Obviously you're listening to it released right before the new year, but a lot of you people are just thinking about how much you regret a lot of choices you've made going into the new year, how you probably still the same as last year. But I said this in one of my posts, in the post where I was talking about the six week challenge I have coming up, we have, a few more weeks, a couple more weeks until the new year. We have 
a whole year, 365 days plus two weeks until 2023. What you do in the next 365 days is going to determine how you feel at the end of next year, reflecting on the year. Are you still going to be in the same situation as you're in today? Because if you are, that's on you. That's on you and your choices you make. That's on you trying to repeat the same shit that obviously isn't working for you. If it's not working for you, why do you keep doing it? Ali, why did you keep doing it? Because you did not change. You did not change a single thing. Like I, I was there too, but I want you to put yourself back into those shoes because your body was not safe and people do not understand no. the importance of the body being safe. And, and I, I think it's like, it's easy to ignore a lot of the red flags, like, you know, feeling like crap, because I think feeling tired is like, oh, I'm just getting older. I'm stressed and all this stuff. Uh, I actually like did not really listen to Luke or Shane for a while. Like I listened to them maybe 75%, but again, I'm 40 years old now. I've been in this industry also for 20 years. So it's tough for me to, to trust somebody else. So I'm like, I know my body better. I'm going to take this supplement. I'm going to take that supplement. Like they would constantly make fun of me for that. Granted, I like that type of banter. So the fact that Luke and I get along very well is because he can yell at me like that and call me out and I don't get offended. Maybe it's because I grew up near New York City, whatever. I train mostly guys because I can talk to them very honestly and, you know, curtly like that. So I know one thing that many females are afraid of that I was afraid of that still will creep up in my mind sometimes is that you feel like if you do gain weight, it's never going to come off and you're going to keep it forever and it's going to stay there forever never, never, never. And it's never going to leave. That comes from our failed attempts at trying to keep off weight that we lost in an unsustainable manner. So obviously it's going to come back on rapidly. And again, not necessarily in the form of body fat, but a lot of water, a lot of glycogen. However, if we're not eating enough to support the strength training, to build the muscle, to develop that quote toned look that most people covet, then yeah, of course you're going to fear that you're, you're going to never drop the weight because you're not adding muscle tissue you're going to add body fat if you keep abusing yourself with these yo-yo type of transformations. And I understand the mentality and the fear surrounding the weight never coming off because I totally thought I was this complete outlier who, you know, having breast implants and having a parasite and all these unique things made me completely different from having the inability to drop body fat. Now I got rid of the parasite. I got my breast implants out. I still had to do the work in order to achieve fat loss. It's a lot easier now. If I put weight on, it'll come right back off. And you know how I know that? Because I've been through it multiple times and I trusted my coach. I would watch the scale go up. And I even had days, Ruby, where I was like, God damn, the scale went down today. I wanted it to keep going up and maintain up because I knew the more I got my calories up, the easier the weight loss will be in the future. It's the hardest thing to tell yourself that it is the hardest thing. And trust me, ladies who are listening to this, I have been there. I get it. This shit does not come easy to us, even though we live and breathe and do this every day. In fact, because we live and breathe and do this every day is why I have a coach because I can't look at myself objectively 
to see what is outside. I'm too in my head. So I had to trust somebody, put my head down and listen to everything that they did, because that is what you have to do is just listen to your coach and trust the expert that you hired for a reason, because we need to know if you binge, we have to know there's a way to handle it. If you're not eating the calories, we have to know there's a way to handle it. But I'll tell you this, if you hit your calories and chronometer consistently, the process goes a lot quicker and it's a lot easier to make changes. And then you see stuff happen a lot more consistently versus this I'm going to go under my calories. I'm going to stay slightly under because that's better. No, we set those numbers for a reason. We want you to hit them for a reason because eventually you're going to realize that eating more calories does not equate to body fat. We forget when we step on the scale, if it goes up, sometimes that means muscle. And guess what? If you gain muscle, when you go into a diet, it looks toned. It looks chiseled you drop body fat. We got to stop thinking that the scale going up is only body fat. It's so many things. If you're dehydrated, it can be that. If you didn't poop, it can be that. But you could also gain muscle mass. It's very, very likely that if you're putting the time and effort in the gym and eating what Ruby or I set for you to eat, we're not giving you an excess of three to 5,000 calories. Like We would not do that to you. It's muscle. And then when you lose the fat, it's the toned look that you want. And then you're happy. And then life is grand. <laughs> like That's the thing. It's like, it's not the high calories that's doing it to you. It's, it's your body not feeling safe. And if your body isn't feeling safe and you keep yo-yoing about and not actually just trusting your coach, trusting the plan, that's when your body starts to fight back because it's like you're, you're getting given your calories. You're getting given whatever. I'm going to say macros because you need to eat your freaking protein, but you're getting given your macros for a reason. And I used to be that person that always wanted to short change mine a little at like when I started out, because I was like, Oh, if I, if I actually hit this, I'm going to get fat. Like that was my thought process too. And uh-huh. your body has a lot more resilience to calories than you think if you do the right shit. But if you are like old Ali and old me, actually, I, I don't think I actually did this one, but old Ali and actually doing like all these crazy circuits, doing huffy puffy training. Mine was the no rest days. I fell into the no rest days trap, but yeah. I hated huffy puffy shit. Never did that. So <laughs> it's, it's the more that you try to shovel into your body, the more it's going to fight back. And the more that your body is going to actually handle those calories the wrong way. And this is why you can't just say, I want this fat loss phase when you're not even getting consistent with proper strength training and you're not getting consistent with what you do every single day. Because if you keep seeking for that fast solution, you're going to look shit. You're going to feel shitter. And like Ali said, it was hard for her to accept this stuff because she's been doing this for years. And a lot of you guys listening to this, if you've been doing the same shit for years, you're probably going to find it really hard to do it again. And something Ali said on a podcast that I'm hoping she'll touch on again is if you've been doing the same thing for all these years before and you're saying trying to do it the right way is going to take all these many other years, what's the alternative? Still keep repeating the same shit for the same amount of years and get nowhere 
or actually take the right approach and not have to keep going back into this cycle. And something else you mentioned on this podcast with PJ, which I loved, is, yes, the importance of consistency and how important it is to reach out to your coach when you're not consistent and when you're struggling because that's when we need you to reach out to us the most because you think we know what's going on, but we don't. Like, we do not know this. We cannot see you through our phones. And scale weight sucks as a measure of true body progress. I just want to tack that onto what I said there. But macros also don't need to be so, like, they don't need to change often. Macros should not change often. And maybe you can go more into that as well because it's almost like training programs. The more, like, it's it's better to have the consistent and still make results on the same consistent thing because, the more you change things, the more your body's going to adapt to that. And then what happens after that? Like what actually happens? Oh yeah. And if you go five miles into the woods, you have to walk five miles out. If you go 50 miles into the woods and keep repeating the same old pattern, you're going to take longer to come out the other end because it's the same 50 miles you got to come out. Yeah, I think uh, I'll change my clients' programs, I would say maybe between every four and six weeks, depending on what type of program they're on. If they miss a week or they haven't been consistent with their training, then I'll extend it. I do have clients who have been with me for maybe two years where their macros have not changed yet, specifically because they have not hit them <laughs> consistently. I, and I keep telling them until you can hit your numbers, then that will warrant any type of change. And Hey, I was like that too. I was just like, I know better, you know, whatever. It honestly does work. Like when you hit the numbers, then that's when the changes happen. And, you know, what might be useful for some of the listeners is that a lot of um, people who, who get into coaching with someone don't, don't realize that it is a long-term project, so to speak. So I, you know, I know it's, it's sexy to sell three weeks, you can drop this six weeks, you can drop this. And I'm over here like, Hey, like come join me for a year. You'll see, you know, some amazing changes. I would say, give yourself at least a year. I think, you know, my friend PJ street and I both agreed on that. Like, you know what it, it minimal, it takes a year to see effective change. Cause not only does it take a few months for us as coaches to get to know your physiology, your habits, your behaviors, how your body responds, but it takes a while for the training to take effect, to see the changes over time. And the more consistent you are, the quicker we will understand how your body works. And then the quicker you'll see changes. But if somebody's not consistent from the start, it makes it a lot more difficult. So a lot of things that my, my clients have adopted is it's kind of like an identity shift in a way, right? Because they're not, they're not like us. They're not fitness lifestyle people. And so if you think about you know, you go to a foreign country and you don't know anything about the lifestyle, you really have to adapt. So putting ourselves in our client's shoes is very important. It's like, you know, if you go and walk and learn jujitsu or something, you've never learned jujitsu. It's a massive learning curve. So I'm going to do that next year because I, I want, I have a lot of jujitsu clients. I want to learn what they're going through. So it's learning what our clients going are going through because we can think, all right, when we started, we felt this way. So in our mind, like when we travel or go out to dinner, we know how to find the right types of food, but our clients don't know that. So I have clients who are so proud of themselves because when they travel, they seek out like the protein options in the airport or the protein options, you know, as snacks. 
which is a huge change from how they used to live. They would just eat whatever is on the menu. People don't know that you could actually be a royal pain in the ass and say, hey, I'm allergic to butter, even if you're not, even if it makes absolutely no sense. Just say, like, I'm I'm allergic to butter. Can you please give this to me steamed? Can I get this sauce on the side? Can I get double vegetables? A lot of people don't know you could actually modify the menu and order that way. And it's totally okay. And I tell people that all the time. When you're going out to dinner, they're going to put more oil on things. Log a tablespoon of oil just to account for what they cook with. Oh, yeah, because then that makes sense. So you don't go over your fat. If you're traveling, you don't really have access to the foods that you like or your stuff at home. So I don't know over there, but in the U.S., we've got grocery delivery services. If you're going to do, I think you guys call it takeaway or Uber Eats or something like that, you can choose healthy options. You can get chicken breasts with vegetables from restaurants. And again, same thing. It might be cooked in oil, but just log an extra tablespoon of olive oil or two to account for what they're doing. Make sure you're prioritizing to eat protein every time you eat. Don't become victim to what seminars are providing. Don't think, oh, I'll just eat whatever the conference has. Get used to bringing protein bars or bringing protein powders. I bring an entire jug of protein when I travel, when I'm dieting, because I cannot rely on the options, even in the US, everywhere. And I will live on protein for four or five days and it's okay. You won't die. You'll actually feel better because you're going to save money, number one. Number two, you're going to feel like you did good and feeling like you accomplished something or that you're staying on your numbers helps to catapult you forward and make more progress because you don't have that, I failed, therefore I'm just going to go out for drinks and dessert with everybody because I'm already failing anyway, so I might as well keep going. It's kind of like that cheat meal mentality, you know what I mean? See, that that part right there, everything you just said there, I'm just like, people listening to this are going to be like, yeah, well, fuck that because that's not living my life. I'm going to miss out on everything, FOMO this, FOMO that. I And it's like, first start is you can't learn this stuff. You can't learn what you need to do if you're not going to ask the coach for help yourself. Like, like I said at the beginning, you need to stop using coaches just for weight loss because we do a lot more than weight loss. Weight loss is like 5% of what we do because you cannot lose weight if your body is not safe. One, you cannot lose weight if you're not consistent with the basics. Two, I really want to get into the importance of lifting and muscle in this and also how our physiology is so different just to like tie everything that we just said together because it is so important to realize your body's makeup, your hormones, all of that stuff is really important to take into consideration to just getting a cookie cutter that does not know your unique blueprint. Now, back to what Ali was saying. A lot of people are going to go back to saying FOMO or they might be like scared of getting judged by other people at the conferences and all this other bullshit. And it's just like, but PJ said this too not every meal needs to be a celebration. Like it's not Mm. about having, like it's not about missing out. It's about knowing that food is always there. And if you don't ask yourself, how am I going to feel after this? Like I meant, I mentioned this on my last podcast, but I don't know when that one's going to be released because that was me as a guest on Zarati's podcast. So keep an, keep an ear out, not an eye out for that podcast. Cause I did talk about this, but I'm very confident in saying, no, I'm a savory girl. 
I do not like sweet food. Yeah, I actually might like eating sweet food, but I do not like sweet food for what it does to me. It kills, like, it completely kills my appetite signals. As in, all I want to do is keep eating. I feel like crap because then, because of what it does to my appetite signals, I start feeling gassy and I don't feel satisfied after it. I don't feel full. And I have a big horse appetite and I couldn't eat for days. And if I have sweet food, it just doesn't, I can't, I can't do it. And then if I go out and I'm not eating something that makes me feel good, or I have something that I know is not going to be so beneficial to me mentally, as well as physically, I actually don't even know what it feels like because I haven't done it for so long. But I do remember that when I used to do that, I used to feel oily, greasy. I used to feel sluggish the next day. I couldn't perform well in the gym. And I just remember that feeling so well that I just don't do it anymore. And if you do not know how good you can feel, how are you ever going to actually like strive for that? You need to keep doing some good shit continuously and actually celebrating the wins, which we don't do enough to actually get this chain of, Hey, this actually makes me feel good. I want to, I want to do this more often because now I can think clearer. Now I'm a better mom. Now I can actually learn better, have better mental clarity. I can actually perform more in the gym, but people don't realize the importance of lifting and muscle in this because your body is going to fight you and it's not going to let you lose any fat, no matter what you do until your body feels safe. But also most people are under muscled. I can say that to the cows come home. Mm-hmm. Most women are under muscled. So what's the importance of muscle and what's the importance of the body feeling safe? And where do the hormones and also stress come into this? Um, a lot to unpack there. So we'll start with like the, you know, the importance of, of muscle. So um, where do I want to start with that? I would say, you know, when, when you're, when you're a young woman, I would say that a, a lot of the um, social pressures are about being smaller. Uh, maybe not so much nowadays. And it's funny because when I grew up like in the nineties, it was all about having a small flat ass and I played college soccer and I had a big bubble butt and we were always covering our butts on the soccer team. And I remember like being so excited going to college and being like, these girls can share clothes with me because nobody else had quads in a butt. And it was really weird. Now it's like all the rage and all women do is like, butt exercises. And it's like in to have a big butt, which I find hilarious because we did everything we could to minimize that, which just shows how over time and, and, and how ludicrous it is that certain parts of your body are like trendy or not, but I digress. <laughs> so anyway, the, I, the reason I bring that up is because had I actually started strength training for my butt in, you know, when I was 12 or 13, I would probably have a gigantic round firm butt by now, but we kind of like missed that window where we were trying to avoid it. Like on the soccer team, we we were supposed to lift a certain amount days a week and we would go into the team weight room and we would all undercut ourselves. We would not go as heavy as we could, but we pretended we did because we were so scared of exploding into this bulky muscle when in reality, that bulk was the alcohol we were drinking on the weekends and the crap food that we were drinking at 2 a.m. because we had, you know, pizza takeaway at our leisure. 
we, we know a lot better now. And I majored in exercise science. You would think that I would know the science, but no, that went straight over our head. So I think a lot of women fear that still getting bulky, getting big, all of that. I can totally appreciate when you start lifting weights, your jeans get tighter, your clothes get tighter. A big problem for me with my wedding dress is making sure my back fit in it. Like I wear size large and extra large sports bras and my boobs are like a negative A. And it's only because my back is so wide. <laughs> I had it. I had breast implants. I took them out. I have literally no chest, no fat tissue. And now with as lean as I am, it's like there's maybe a nipple with some skin. Like there's nothing there. <laughs> And I'm still wearing large and extra large because I have a wide back and I think it's cool. Now I understand some women may not think that's cool. Well, guess what I did? I ate a shit ton of calories and did pull-ups every single day on top of a ton of back work. Most people are not going to be at that level. If you want to have those cool dimples in your back, it really only requires two to three days of lifting, maybe total body, but you're not going to get that skinny fat soft look that we all don't like to have the earlier you can start the better off you will be going into your older years no one cares about how they're going to feel when they're 50 60 70 until they get to that decade and then you realize oh my god we are under muscled as a society and people die because of lack of ability to sit up straight to walk to be able to lift things. People fall, they break bones. That is not strength. So the stronger you can get and the more muscle that you can have going into menopause, going into, you know, andropause for guys, the better off you will be from a fat loss standpoint, from a toned standpoint, you'll actually be better able to tolerate carbohydrates. It is so much better to have more muscle and it is so difficult to put on. I've been lifting since I was 15. It is taking me maybe three to five years to actually fully sculpt what I want because I wasn't consistent since I was 15. And like you said, how my legs used to look five to six years ago, I played college soccer. I was a junior Olympic cyclist. I should have massive quads and a massive butt like I used to but they shrunk because I stopped lifting and then boom, all of a sudden the past few years, I start lifting. I go heavy. I go consistent. I eat enough. My butt's coming back. My quads have gotten a completely different shape. And again, I don't expect people to do what I do, but the take home message is if you want to look a certain way, Just understand what it takes to get there and then start doing the things that require that. And part of that is the identity shift I talked about earlier. If you want to look like whatever person it is you have in mind, because everyone has a person that they want to look like, start living like that person lives. So I love Dana Lynn Bailey. I I don't know, know who some of your clients idolize, but think of like, okay, you know, that whole what would Jesus do stuff? which I'm not a religious person, but whatever. It's the first thing I thought of like, all right, what would Ruby do? Or what would so-and-so do in this situation? Would they drink tons of wine or would they say, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to get a diet Coke. I'm going to have a steak and some vegetables. Start living and start 
adopting a diff- different identity, a fit person identity. So it's kind of like fake it till you make it. So start living like the person you want to look like until you start looking like that person. And I, I mean, it, it's an easy example to use myself just because literally last week I went out to dinner with my husband and two of our friends in the fitness industry. They ordered like this Asian fusion of like, it was sushi with steak and plantains and pork belly and like all this delicious stuff. And what did Allie do? Allie had low carb day. So Allie had ceviche, which was octopus, which is very lean in lime juice. And I had to order steamed lobster tail, no oil, no butter. It tasted horrific, but that's what I had to do. And my friend said to me, like, doesn't it kill you? Because I love fried plantains, which are like fried bananas. I don't know if you guys have them, but love them, love them. And to give them away to everyone around me. And, you know, the thought in my head is they'll be there whenever I want them. They'll be there just like Christmas food. Anything else will always be there. There is not any type of food unless you're in an exotic location where you're never going to be again that you can't always have when you want it. So dieting through the holidays, sure, it's not like my favorite thing, but Luke said he'll likely give me a diet break through Christmas week, which I think that's great. It's not a cheat week, but I'll have some more carbs to play with. And then that food that I want, it'll all be there because you know what? The time's going to pass anyway. So you might as well do something productive with it and just start living like the person you want to be like, and just think about the decisions that you're willing to sacrifice and do. And if there's things that you don't want to do, that's totally fine. No one's going to judge you, but just be realistic with the effort that you put in and the results that you're going to yield from that effort. And then it'll be a lot smoother process if your expectations are met with reality. That is like, it's the perfect summary of exactly why lifting muscle, lifting muscle, lifting weights and building muscle is so important because like she used to do a shitload of cardio. She did not give two hoops about what protein she was eating. She only cared about the fact that she could get alcohol on the weekends when she celebrated parties. And this is the thing, like the more that you prioritize and put your focus towards building muscle and lifting weights, everything else falls into place because you don't just create a lifestyle by accident around getting stronger. And this is something a lot of my clients probably struggle with too. In fact, most likely struggle with too. And that's showing up to do at least three strength training sessions a week. Like you only have to do three or four proper strength trainings a week to see the results that you want. Like three Mm -hmm. to four, that's three to five hours out of your day to lift heavy shit, focusing on the main shit, not the bullshit. And yeah, Luke always tells us to stop focusing on dumb shit. So it seems to be the thing (laughs) that we always say, like stop focusing on the dumb shit. Like you can't expect to have a fat loss phase if we don't even know where you are right now, which is one of the biggest things. Like you do not even have a consistent set point. Like even if you think you're being consistent with food, what about the weekends? What about your strength training? Like you can't say that strength training and building muscle is not a part of your consistency because the process is not all about food. It's about building muscle. And 
I want you to actually bring more of that into place, how it's not all about food. It's about building muscle and how that actually assists fat loss. And then bring in how you don't want to, how sometimes you might look worse before you look better because I know you call it the shit before the fit. And that kind of ties into the female hormones a little bit more, bringing the two together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of went on a tangent off that, but you know, with it's very easy to drop body fat. It's very hard to gain muscle. So the, the body fat dropping process is a lot faster than it is adding muscle. And, and you'll hear people say, well, I add muscle really quickly. And I'm like, that's interesting. How do you measure that? Um, and they don't, so they, they just go by if they gain weight or whatever, which is why it's so skewed to have just scale weight and not other forms of uh, measurement. And sometimes I won't even have clients just weigh themselves at all. I'm like, just stop worrying about it. And if we can shift the focus in the gym to performance and strength, then it's kind of like, all right, I'm not training for aesthetics or fat loss. I am training to become a fucking badass and be stronger. And, and that's why I love doing loaded pull-ups. And I will post those videos until the cows come home because women tell me it's inspirational Men tell me it's inspirational. Cool. If you want to do pull-ups with a kettlebell hanging off your waist, get at it. I'm not training for fat loss when that stuff happens, because guess what? Fat loss is a byproduct of you improving your performance in the gym. So what does that mean? If you set out to gain, um, or if you set some, some personal records, like I want to get one full pull-up with my body weight by the end of the year. Awesome. Go after that. If you want to have, you know, a body weight front squat, if you want to do stuff like that, that's more likely to get you the results that you're after versus saying, well, I got to train really hard for 45 minutes in order to drop body fat, because that's not really how it works. You kind of need to have a combination of Huffy puffy exercise, like you said, and strength training that requires three to five minutes of rest in between. Cause that shit is really cool. And nothing is more empowering than when you go up in reps or go up in weight or go up in whatever, because you're achieving a personal record. That is really cool. And honestly, like I don't really train for aesthetic stuff as much as I diet for it. Like people respond to diets for fat loss. Not everyone responds to exercise, but you can always get stronger. You can always lift more. It's just going to take a little bit longer. So start to find what you enjoy. I actually had a new client ask me the other day and he, he doesn't love strength training, but he said, how do I get to love working out? And he's a golf professional. And I said, so what do you tell people when they say, how do I get to love golf? Cause golf is really frustrating to learn. And if you're an athlete and you learn to play golf and you can't hit a ball that does not move, it's really demoralizing at first. And I said, what do you tell people? And he's like, well, I try to figure out why they don't enjoy it. And then ways that we can work on that. I said, all right why don't you enjoy working out? It's really hard. And I said, that's an honest answer. It is really hard. What part of it do you enjoy? And he's like, Oh, I, you know, I don't mind riding the bike and, you know, doing maybe a half hour of like some body weight exercises to start because body weight exercises, although not easy, 
it's a little bit easier than doing dumbbells and stuff. I said, okay, start with what you enjoy. And I used to get mad at people or not mad, but I used to, I guess, poke fun at like people who only did Zumba and Peloton and whatever. They enjoy it. And I'm like, that's great. I'm glad you enjoy it. Let's sprinkle in some strength training now because it might not be the most fun to you right now, but it's going to give you the biggest benefit in the long term. And then once they start incorporating that, then they're like, wow, this is really cool because I got 10 more pounds on my squat than I did two weeks ago. And then it becomes addicting. It's like seeing more abs or seeing different lines in your body or seeing, you know, your clothes, clothing size drop. It becomes addicting. And then it becomes a lifestyle. But at first, it might not be the most enjoyable thing for you. And that's okay. Find what you do enjoy because some movement is going to be better than no movement. And then if you can find a way of adding some sort of resistance training to what you enjoy to become enjoyable, then that's a home run. But not everyone loves working out. A lot of us are obsessive about it. But there are days that we wake up where we're just not motivated to go. Fitness professional, we're not born with like the gene that gets us out of bed at five o'clock in the morning. We're like, oh my God, I can't wait to go to the gym. That doesn't happen every day. And it's okay. You don't have to have that gene. You just have to do something. And then as soon as you work your way up to actually doing proper strength training, actually focusing on the results and how it makes you feel because it's like yeah you can do all of this other like bullshit stuff in the interim until you get to that level but you can't want the results of these fitness people without doing that work like if you want to stay comfortable with doing circuit training or doing crossfit wads we're doing crossfit classes we're doing all this huffy puffy bullshit and that's i'll mention that part later but if all you want to do are these circuit sessions but you want this body over here which is made by strength training made by lifting heavy your work is not aligning with your desire you can't have Mm -hmm. expectations without the commitment to the work that gets you there and you said it in quotations know what it takes to get there and do those things you can't just want someone's body without doing what it takes to get there because that's ridiculous and you're just going to cause yourself more stress and do more dumb shit and chronically diet, crash diet, do all this dumb shit, trying to get this body because you don't want to do the actual hard work that gets you there. And it's, it's about doing hard work, not working hard. And this is the, this is the thing you need to realize. And back to that whole, as soon as people start doing all this dumb shit, because they don't want to do the work to get there. That was you. And it's hard to accept that sometimes you're going to, look worse and feel psychologically worse before you can look better because you're in such a shit, unsafe, just hormonally wrecked, metabolically wrecked, not damaged, wrecked place. So like that can be a good way to transition out to where we both are now. And then we can sum up with how we both are now. But I really want to talk about this. You have to be okay with doing something different because you've been doing all this other shit before. Like you're 50 miles into the woods. Let's let's start at 50 miles into the woods. What happens then? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it comes down, I think I had said to Luke once, like you have to do something over and over again to realize it either works or doesn't work. So I think people have to be fed up with 
not getting to where they are enough times. And I have clients that are still resistant and they'll still mess up and then they'll realize, okay, this is not working. And that's another reason why this is such a long process. And it takes at least a year because sometimes people don't believe that they can actually do what they have the potential to do. And once they get their shit together, then we're a year into it. And it's like, oh, cool. Like this works. That's okay. We have all been there. Like I, I did a lot of kettlebell work. I got I, I mean, I did bodybuilding stuff like in my early twenties and then I kind of ditched it and then got into other stuff. And the last three years is really the only time that I've followed a program. Cause as a fitness professional, you're like, Oh, I, I can do whatever. I don't need to follow a program. It's the best thing ever. Like I, I love going to the gym and knowing exactly what I'm going to do. And I didn't have to write it. Cause if I wrote it, it would be pull-ups and deadlifts every single time. That's so stupid. Luke gives me stuff that I never in my right mind thought I would ever do in the weight room. And part of that is because I come from a completely different educational background than he does. And so now I learn other techniques and the way I program is like a hybrid of what he has done and what I've learned. But I like doing newer stuff that I, why am I doing this? I have no idea, but it feels good and it works. And so I had to put myself through that to understand and appreciate the results that I've finally been able to obtain. And it's hard to see the forest through the trees sometimes, especially when you're in a place where you may be looking worse and you're, you're thinking like, well, I'm supposed to start looking better, but our bodies are resilient, but they also have to go through a change. It's kind of like car maintenance. Like you roll up to your mechanic and you're like, Hey, I want, um, you know, this, this type of uh, carbon fiber, whatever on it. And then I want you to put this exhaust on and maybe I'll also go for a color change and, but we'll put a vinyl wrap on it. Okay. That does not take five minutes. Like that is a process. And that is something that requires stages of production in your body's the same way. You can't just throw everything at it all at once. And we're all guilty of looking at someone and saying, damn, I want to look like them and I want to look like them tomorrow. Ask somebody next time you see someone in the gym who looks the way you want, how long have you been lifting? Truly? Because if they give you an honest answer, it's going to be longer than five months. It's going to be an appreciable amount of time. And for all the newbies who have not put a good amount of time into your resistance training, guess what? You guys see the quickest results. You and people who have put a very long hiatus on strength training see the absolute quickest results at first. If you're it's consistent. The vet- <laughs> yeah, it's the veterans that we see the results the slowest. So we have to be meticulous. Other people can be 80% doing what they need to do. I would say even 90, you get even better results, but you don't have to be perfect. So don't let good be the enemy of perfect or don't let perfect be the enemy of good just start getting it done. We're, we're all going to complain and want things quicker and instant gratification because that's the world that we live in right now. But have you ever been satisfied or proud of something that you put very little time into? Or has it really been the projects that you've spent an enormous amount of work and put all into it that you're actually the most proud of? It's such you know? a 
It's such a good question to think of. And you mentioned new BC, the quickest results, and this kind of ties back to the whole, I want my fat loss phase now. It's like, you're not even doing like consistent strength training. You're not consistent every single freaking day. Stop focusing on dumb shit and focus on what you need to do every single day. Show up to your strength sessions and you don't need to put labels on shit. Like stop putting labels on things you need to do because you don't even like, that's why we are here as coaches. That's why you should be hiring a coach or a professional. Like, yeah, it's a luxury, but it's one that's going to save you a lot of money down the line instead of trying all these dumb fads and bullshit and then implicating your health and then spending it on all this other healthcare later on. Like a coach is probably the best investment that you can ever make into your future to actually save you more money, to save you life. Like literally it's saving your life. It's saving you stress. It's saving you worry. It's saving you body hate. It's saving you from all this lack of confidence that you don't have because you think that you need to be perfect instead of just better and good enough. And then there are people that live 24 seven for their businesses, for their family, and don't realize that it's still important to have someone to guide you there, doing the minimal effective dose that you can manage because anything that you do, if you can't do a lot of it, at least do what you're doing the best that you can do. Cause it's, better to put 100% into 20% than not put any effort into that 20% that you can do and then get no results or feel any better and just be a worse, I guess, be a worse person for those that you love. And something else that I wanted to tie that into is when you said that, ask them how long they've been training for. Like I get asked whenever, like I used to get asked on the daily when I was actually doing the powerlifting stuff. There's a good example. When I was doing powerlifting, lifting heavy, I didn't get get all jacked up and manly, but I still get asked now, girl, I love your legs. What do you do for them? Girl, I love your body. I get asked how old am I sometimes? Like, why does my age freaking matter? It has nothing to do with my age. It's how long I've been training for. And to answer that question, six years, almost seven years, actually seven years. Like, that's my answer to that question because our age has nothing to do with it. It's how long have you been consistently putting in the work that you need to put into? Because- that overrides anything because you can be 40, you can be 30, you can be doing absolutely nothing and get no results. Or you can be 40, 30, be doing consistent shit for five years each and have similar results and also put off menopause because you are actually sending anti-aging signals to the cells in your body. And that's why I wanted to talk about the CrossFit stuff because people might be like, oh, there's this person doing CrossFit over there. I want her body. CrossFit didn't give her her body. Like, oh, I I actually get so frustrated at this because I used to say, but that person has a nice body. She's doing CrossFit. I want to do CrossFit. Like I could easily have fallen into that trap once upon a time because we see people doing like stupid classes at our local CrossFit gym and we want their bodies. Or we don't even think about the fact that we might not want their bodies because they're skinny fat. So you have both, like most people that do just CrossFit are either still under-muscled, over-fat, or skinny fat under muscled. They're the people yeah, probably just doing CrossFit. Like the, the CrossFit didn't get them their body. It's what they did before. Isn't that right? Totally. And it it's um, you know, CrossFit, what they did intelligently was very intense exercise for a very short period. The problem, and I talked about this in my last lecture last week. The problem was when they, they got together with paleo and a lot of people ended up having issues because paleo 
they, they don't allow you to have rice diets with labels and rules. I just don't love, but I understand why, because it's, it, people want to be a part of something. They want to feel a part of a community and that's what CrossFit provided. And if everyone's eating that way, then you're going to want to eat that way too. It was just very intense exercise that demanded more carbohydrates than people could get through sweet potatoes. And so, um, looking that way may happen initially, your body may change, but again, you still have to eat a certain way to maintain that. And these people were likely athletes. They did a lot of other, you know, different things before they started CrossFit because CrossFit was only, I think 2009, 2010, it, it started to become popular over here. And so, I mean, it's easy to say, to look at somebody and be like, man, I want to look like that. Think about why people look a certain way. So the slide, there's a famous slide of a marathoner against a sprinter. And we used to use this slide and say, well, you don't want to look like the guy on the left, who's the marathoner. Cause he's really skinny. You want to look like the guy on the right, who was more jacked and a sprinter and all that. And we would say, well, you have to do hit training in order to look like that. Don't do steady state or aerobics. Okay. We've completely shifted. The pendulum has swung. We're now looking at, at the other way. And, you know, we're not, we're demonizing uh, cardio still. And now people are starting to embrace it a little bit more and realizing you kind of need a mix of everything, but people will say, well, I want to have a cute runner's body. So I'm going to start running. And I say, well, that's great. I'm a, I'm a big fan of doing things you enjoy, as I mentioned before, but people look cute and small when they run because they're built for that sport. I am five foot three. I played basketball in high school. I did not get any taller just because you're built a certain way does not mean you can completely reverse your genetics and look a different way. So people are good at sprinting because they're built for sprinting. People are good at powerlifting because they're built for powerlifting. Same with swimming, same with basketball and same with marathon running. They are built for that sport. You cannot change your anthropometry completely by just saying, well, I'm going to start running so I can look like that. That's not what they look like that. They look like that because they were mostly born like that. But yes, playing a certain sport can push your muscle fibers to look a certain way, but it's not hundred percent guaranteed. And it's not going to happen when you're 30 years old. It's not going to happen midlife. So understanding the application and how you train and what you're good at is what you should pursue. That's going to take you places. And, and yeah, you may end up looking completely different for you. That's not, thing. it's you for you. Else. Yeah. Stop comparing yourself to other people. I, cause you mentioned something about the marathon runner. You were a cyclist, but you still look skinny fat. You were still under muscled and you weren't happy with your body. It's as soon as you start to focus on feeling stronger, getting stronger, being your best self, and then just, embracing your wins and your progress along the way and yeah you might not like the work of it until you actually start to fall in love with the results that you're feeling as well as getting and that shit doesn't happen overnight we said at the beginning like it takes at least a year to feel it and like we are both testaments to that it took her and it took me three months to finally listen to luke it probably took her it probably took you like six months but Luke, Luke actually tapered up my carbs bit by bit. At first, he wanted me to go from 160 to 350 carbs. And like, yeah, fuck that. 
So he put me onto 200. And then as soon as I complained about my scale going up a kilo, he told me to stop focusing on dumb shit and told me to increase it another 50. And then he's like, actually, no, increase it 100. I'm like, uh, uh. so I felt like I was looking worse. I thought I looked worse. But then I actually don't even know because I just used to send my progress photos. But then I compared them six months apart and I looked so much leaner. We spoke about this on our last podcast. Go and listen to that. Ali and I both increased, got our carbs increased, got our food increased massively. We freaked out about the scale going up. We weighed about three kilos heavier after going up and down like a yo-yo for a bit because our body, like scale weight is not just brilliant fat, which is why I don't, I don't actually want any of my girls to use a scale. I, I actually say no scale because the more you focus on numbers, the less you're focusing on your internal signals and how you feel. And if you have a coach, that's their job. They're giving you the shit to do. You just need to be consistent with it. And when you're not, reach out to them because they give you a plan because they expect an intended result. And as long as you are doing the stuff, then you're going to get the result that they expect. If you're not, then that's what you need to report to them. If you're feeling shit, that's what you need to report to them because the scale is not a successful barometer of anything. You're stressed. You guys should change it to pounds because I make my clients change it to kilos because they're not going to do the math. And so it doesn't mess with their head as much. I remember Luke had me do that. And I'm like, I'm not going to freaking do the math. I still don't do the math. I think the pounds would freak people out more because the pounds move up a lot more. It's just like, ah, I want to find pounds. But I know. I know for people to be like, I, I'm, I'm up 400 grams. Like they don't know what that means. Uh, see, it, it works better the, in the reverse. But I want to sum it up talking about where we both are now. Ali before her diet, because we don't want to talk about this little unsustainable phase, because it's the fact that she was at 60, she like, she's at 64.5 kilos as her average, eating a ton more food, a ton more carbs, training her ass off. And I don't remember, actually, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story because I don't think you know about it, but I, I'm now maintaining, I have not tried to, I never really wanted to lose weight at all, really. I just wanted to go from my, I'm not comfortable around, I think that the scale usually reads 61, but I'm not comfortable usually when the scale's above 61. I actually haven't weighed myself since this time last week because I'm doing weekly measures now because I don't really give a shit about the scale if I remember to weigh myself because I forgot today. (laughs) It's like, I I don't really care anymore. It's like, I want to know that I feel good when I'm in the gym and I feel good in my booty shorts. Like that's the stuff you need to focus on. Because yeah, okay, it comes cool to track the scales, but you're not like, you can get so tied up about that scale going up and down that you're not really tuning into how do you feel in your body. And you can let that stop you from making the moves that you need to make to improve your body because you're too focused on what that number does. So stop looking at the scale, literally stop looking at it. It's why I did, but I was only doing it because I'm I'm keeping one of my friends accountable. So we both usually do a weekly weighing together because yeah, we just, yeah. But back to what I was saying, the last time I did a cut was when I wanted to do my marathon race. It's actually really funny when you say, what are you doing right now? I love your legs. I got that compliment all the time when I was running. What do you do for your leg training? I'm like, funny you say that. I'm training three times a week, probably like two leg exercises on each of those. They're heavy as shit because that's all I do in the week. But I hardly train my legs, to be honest. Oh, how do you have legs like that? Mate, it is not what I'm doing now. It's what yeah. I've been doing the years before. And I get that compliment all the time. It's like, it's, it's, it's not what I'm doing right now. Cause right now I'm injured. 
So I'm doing full body training. So it's still the same shit, but I got my best results when I was doing legs three times a week or twice a week and smashing the shit out of them and having three to two to three full recovery days, which a lot of people don't take. It's like, stop looking, stop wondering what people are eating now, what people are training now, because that's not how, like, if that's not how they got there, just like Ali said, like it, it's not the 1200 that's got her the body that she has now. It's what she's done before. It's not the 2000 and whatever it was before you started this little phase. That is why you have the body you have now. It's all the work you did before. It's dealing with looking worse before you started to look better. Same with me. Like I'm now, I've never been able to maintain 2,700 calories just like that. And I don't really have an intention to diet again. I don't want to diet again. I just want to not get fat per se because I don't want to diet again. I love food. I'm focusing on performance. And once you get to a place where you're focusing on performance, loving everything that you do and just improving, you don't really want to diet again because no one wants to do that tough shit. And we think we want to do all this tough shit because we hate where we are right now. But like we said, if you do shit the right way, you don't have to keep repeating the same stuff that you hate doing because there's no way that you enjoy going on a yo-yo, hating all the choices that you need to make, hating all the sacrifices you need to make. Yes, you still need to make sacrifices, but you enjoy making them because you know how it makes you feel. And yeah, there are still some days where I might eat, like if I had too much dairy one day, I hate myself because my gut doesn't shut up. It just goes, <laughs> like, that's why I have, and then I, I keep forgetting to take my lactase tablets. So it gets worse. Like there is, there's sometimes where I have too much of something I know is not good for me, AKA dairy. And my tummy gives me grief and it could be like, it could be anything, but you can make it. Food doesn't need to be boring. Make it work for you and something that you keep consistent, but people get bored. They want entertainment. Oh, can I change this? Can I change this exercise? Can I change this meal? It's like, you can't change it. It doesn't need to change <laughs> into a whole new friggin' recipe. Just change. That made me laugh. <laughs> I was thinking about that today because right now I have two different workouts, but I lift four days a week. So I repeat the workouts twice. And I'm like, man, some of my clients would have a major conniption right now doing the same two workouts twice during the week. Like I actually like enjoy improving each time. So it, it's funny because it, I mean, it's ADD program ADD, like, you know, jumping from different workout to workout. You don't even give yourself a chance to improve at what you're doing at that moment. So it, it, it it's a tough space to be in the fitness world. And it, you know, it's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take somebody you saw who, who's an accomplished academic on a Ted talk and say, Hey, what did you learn in the last couple of months that got you here? And they'd be like, excuse me, this is a lifelong education that I've had, you know, people who have PhDs, they didn't get to where they are because of the two months of schooling before that. So it's the same with, you know, building a body. If it's too good to be true, it is. And the people on Instagram that a lot of our listeners are looking at, even us, a lot of these people have great technology to edit photos and videos and look a certain way. And, and you know what, the ones who have a lot of followers that do TikTok videos and stuff all day long, they're being paid to do that. So literally they have no kids, they eat, sleep, film videos, train, 
that's all they do. So it's understanding where you are in life too. Like if you just had a baby, probably not going to be jacked in three months and that's okay. All my new dads, I tell them your testosterone levels will drop. You're not going to feel as good as you did in the gym the last however many years. Our goal for the first year of having a kid is to mitigate stress and the effects of stress and lack of sleep. That is the goal. Can you maintain a certain body doing that? Absolutely. But don't have expectations of looking like IFBB pros when you just have a new newborn, you know? So it's helping people understand where they're starting from, where they can end up and the process to get there. Cause it is very convincing. A lot of these different um, programs and stuff. And there's a lot of education to be had with nutrition and everything. Like one of my clients the other day asked me, what can I eat for breakfast? I'm sick of eggs. And it made me realize people still perceive eggs as breakfast, breakfast food only. And I was like ground Turkey, ground beef. And like, he was so confused because there are still many people that, that don't think of food for breakfast. They just think of breakfast, breakfast. Like, you know, we've all been conditioned to think like, you know, fruity pebbles and cereals and toast and, and stuff is breakfast food. So it's so weird. Like I remember now, I remember the first time I, somebody suggested to have like meat for breakfast. I'm like, what? Like you could have steak and eggs, just take away the eggs. Oh, oh yeah. That, that <laughs> it, that actually just got me thinking too. My, my mom has the best breakfast. Not, she has cocoa pops for breakfast. And if it's not cocoa pops, it's butter on bread. Mom, you don't need enough protein. Yeah, I had, I, I had baked beans on my bread. Okay, cool. You had like the tiniest amount of baked beans in your bed. Most of the time, all you have is jam on your bread. I don't see the protein there. Like people don't, like her thing is cocoa pops. She eats cocoa pops all the time. She actually used to think there's protein in fruit. Like you, because <laughs> she eats fruit all day. But it's like, there are just the most simple steps that you need to realize before you actually, like the whole point of me saying that is that you need to realize you need to graduate at levels, know where you are starting from and the process it takes to get there and manage your expectations. But I think the best way to sum all this up is don't just think that focusing on your food, tracking your food, doing the workouts, having a coach, getting a coach is all about weight loss. Because if that is all you have a coach for, if that is all you're doing everything you do for, you're never, ever, 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 I'm saying it in certainty, going to see the body that you want. Because that is 5% of the picture, literally 5%. Because your body will not do what not only your mind isn't ready for, but your physiology, a.k.a the health status, the blood status, the hormonal status, the metabolic status. If that isn't in the right place, you your body isn't doing anything. And if your mind isn't in the right place, you're never going to make it out the door. And, and you know, I'll encourage people, um, totally had a brain fart as to what I was actually going to say. <laughs> Why is that happening? Because it's Friday night here, Allie. Um, <laughs> totally escaped me. How would you sum all of that up? The managing expectations and realizing that fat loss is only 5% of the whole picture. Oh, now I know what I was going to say. It's a lot of people will find themselves saying, well, I know what to do. I just have to do it. 
And I'll say, totally understand. Lawyers know what to do. Doctors know what to do. They don't lawyer themselves. They don't doctor themselves. They hire experts. That's why I have a coach. That's why you have a coach because we believe in the product of coaching. So even if we know what to do more so than our clients and we have, you know, hired somebody, it's because you need somebody to take you through that process and objectively view that. So don't be afraid and let go of your pride. We all know what to do. And it actually might be way more simple than you think it is, like you said, because a lot of our clients don't understand how food works. Most, most trainers don't really understand. Like Nutella is a nut butter. Not really like it has fat, but a lot of sugar. It's really just understanding how to navigate your lifestyle so that you can have pleasure in life and eat a certain way. Because we get asked a lot, well, what's your diet like? And I'm like, it, it works for me. I enjoy protein powder pudding every night. I like deli turkey. It's a great hack for when you're traveling and stuff. It's not for everybody. That's fine. You don't have to do what I do. I'm going to teach you how to do what is best for you. And then this is something people can do for the rest of their lives. And it has no name. It has no rules. It has no label. It's just what works for them. And then we can help teach you how to navigate when you go out to dinner, because you're always going to have people who think what you do is weird. I will leave people with that. You're always going to have that peer pressure. You're always going to have people say like, oh, you can have one drink. You can have one of these. You know what? I totally can. But what it does for me mentally is more, I feel like I failed if I give in, you know, if, if you have to hit a certain amount of carbs per day and, and that one drink or that one dessert puts you over, you gamify things and that puts you over and you feel like you failed. It has consequences that are completely different and have nothing to do with the person in front of you. And most people will make you feel bad about what you're doing because they can't do it themselves. So you kind of have to like turn out the noise and focus on what makes you happy because that's going to be what's going to get you the best results. There's always going to be somebody trying to pressure you into something else. You will find those that understand your lifestyle. That's why most of my friends are fitness professionals because they live that same lifestyle. If people make fun of me for not drinking anymore and not doing certain things, that's fine. That's totally fine. I will lift up my shirt and show them why. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but I have reasons. Like, honestly, seriously, when you get older, like literally the alcohol completely knocks me out. But I save it for special occasions because like PJ said, what are you going to celebrate? All right. My wedding, um, probably after my photo shoot. But otherwise, I have no urge to drink. I like chocolate. I like Oreos. That will be my indulgence. But it doesn't have to be every time I get together with friends because I will have other times I get together with friends. Wednesday night for wine does not have to be a celebration for people. So what, what else, whatever they're willing to give up, whatever they're willing to add in may not be as crazy as they perceive it because they see what we do and they think that we're lunatics, which mostly we are. But again, you guys don't have to do what we do to achieve what you are after unless you want dick skin like we do, but pretty much most of the population does not. 
I love that. So actually know what you want and pick your battles. That is the best thing to add this podcast on. So thank you for coming on and just giving everyone kind of like a reality check in more than one way, because I think we all need a little bit more of that in fabricated social media endowed society at the moment. So thank you. And if you're not already following Ali, which I'm pretty sure a lot of you are now because I saw quite a lot of people I follow following you now, (laughs) but follow Ali and I'll have her podcast. I'll have her Instagram link below because she's actually posting a lot more kind of straight to the point, do the work. Well, not really do the work, but like see what the work entails kind of posts. And if you're like filling your newsfeed with bullshit, then that's what you're going to believe. So not only keep your environment ones that facilitate your lifestyle, but keep your social media one that facilitates the person that you want to become because that's when shit will actually start to happen for you versus against you. So perfect. Yeah. I'm trying to document, you know, the photo shoot process to show people that getting to that level of leanness is not fun and and they don't need to do that. Yeah. And so I'm showing them what it really entails. Granted, everyone's journey is different. Mine's probably different than someone else's, but you know, it shows what you have to give up to look a certain way. And if you're not about that life, that's totally fine. So I try to keep it real, man. More people need to be (laughs) real. So thank Thank you you for having me. I I loved our chat. And if you haven't already clicked subscribe, I highly recommend it because there's a lot more knowledge bombs coming your way these days. So thank you for listening.